Drilling fluids touch just about everything in the drilling process. We're here to deconstruct the drilling process and drilling fluid concepts to provide a deeper understanding of our industry. In each episode, we'll share information, talk to interesting people, and maybe share a few stories along the way. Welcome to The Flow Line, a production of AES Drilling Fluids, brought to you by Matt Offenbacher and Justin Gautier. And we're back. Welcome to another episode of The Flow Line. This might be and probably will be and almost most certainly will be the last episode recorded in this building, Matt. How goes that? Well, since you can't see it, there's a single tear going down the side of my face in mourning of, no, I won't miss this place. We're moving into an awesome new space pretty soon. I'm super excited about it. And our new space, Justin, even has a little switch on the wall and outside a little panel says like on air or something. So nice. it's going to be about as official. If we go from starting out in your office with like clearly a bunch of stuff in the background and, you know, (laughs) salespeople talking to customers and shouting. If we go from that to clearing out an office and having a moderately dedicated space to like having the real deal, I don't know if you'll be able to hear it over the audio because the recording equipment will stay the same. Yeah. But the vibe. The vibe will definitely, people will feel the vibe and the energy coming from the new studio. Actually, it'd be kind of neat to throw clips together of us recording in my office with that big backdrop that we put some videos up and then into this. I don't think we've taken any pictures in here, which we will have to do that. But to show the evolution of the flow line would be pretty cool. But yeah, no, it's great. I'm excited. You know, talking to folks around here, the energy's high. Just, you know, moving anything, whether it's you're moving into a new vehicle, (laughs) a house, whatever, let alone a building with a lab. There's bumps and bruises along the way. So a big shout out to everyone involved with the move. It's never easy and we're fortunate to have people help. But at the end of the day, there's still a lot of heavy lifting that's done within, you know, internally here. So how's everyone in the lab? What's the feeling like in there? So there's the excitement of moving and then the terror of moving. <laughs> right. um, you know, some of our equipment is, I mean, one, we're getting some really nice equipment. Like our new TGA got delivered like pallets today. So everybody's all excited about that. And then our XRF. What is that, TGA? So thermogravimetric analysis. So we have one, but we're getting a new one with whatever, you, when you're doing thermogravimetric, what it is, is it's a like very precision weight and a furnace and it heats up the material and then it like gives off gas and eventually, oh, and at yeah. certain temperatures, things off gas, right? So you have an idea what the material is. Well, now the gas goes into this fancy coupling and you can run FTIR on that and find out exactly what it was or at least it's infrared signature. And we can use that FTIR for other things. So wow. we're getting those pieces of equipment and then the XRF, which does elemental analysis. Super excited about that. So those are like new toys, and that's, but then uh, new space as well. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so those pieces of equipment that you're referring to, those are more for like the R&D side, right? Yes. Not necessarily, oh, I'm going to send this in and I want these results from the field. It's more of like product development stuff. I mean, a lot of it will be troubleshooting actually. So yeah, XRF works really well with XRD. It speeds up your run times and everything, you know, so it'll do all of the above. It's kind of one of those also, as we get our feet wet with tools, this new and powerful and everything, we're probably going to find out new things we can do with it. Yeah. So we got to get all that rigged up, but even equipment like our GCMS, once you take that down, it's going to take a week to get it back up, you know? So it's yeah. Like some of this stuff, it's like, okay, well, give me day one because the faster we do this, the better. Yeah. And so like, there's just a lot of coordination. You know, we have every piece of equipment is numbered and then like mapped out on where it sits in the new benches and new space. And so it's just, 
imagine all of that and calibration after moving something and yeah like so everybody's i think there's like you can sense the tension of like let's just do this right yeah but also like going the, through like, the gauntlet it's yeah like, okay everyone hold your breath go exactly so <laughs> we just expect a circus for a couple of days and you know midland's gonna help back us up but it's gonna be some long hours for those folks yeah they're going to be due quite a lot when this is all said and done. Yeah, it'll be well worth it. And actually, Addie sent some video footage of her checking things out, but it's very nice. Everyone in the lab, I'm sure, is going to be super geeked out. It's oh, cool because yeah. everyone will be able to see with the glass. We can see as like, you know, folks walking by, seeing kind of all the magic happening. It'll be really neat. So anyway, enough about that. The episode today was an idea I had in a conversation that I wanted to have with you. With everything happening in the markets, oil prices going up, you know, obviously there's things that we have to account for on the commercial side of our business. But more specifically, as oil prices go up or mud weight increases, there's an associated cost and that moves accordingly. But in order to kind of backtrack, I think it's important to talk about percent oil versus retort oil. And I'll tie that back towards the end as to, you know, talking about different commercially where that made something that we have to consider. But anyway, Let's talk about percent oil versus OWR because a lot of people, especially in the field, they'll say, oh, let's do, you know, 20% oil. Well, to me as a mud engineer back in the day, I would think right away or well, say 20% water, 80% oil. I would think that's from OWR. But a lot of times, especially when you get into say, oh, 40% oil or 50% oil, like that oftentimes is talking about the retort oil. So there's a difference and I would love for you to explain it and then we'll tie into some other things after that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's an interesting question and something even, you know, Baxter, we've talked about, you know, should we be talking more about just percent oil as opposed to trying to go by retort oil? And here's why. Keep in mind that your oil water ratio is just liquid, right? So Mm -hmm. if I just go by my oil water ratio and I hear 90-10, I think I've got a lot of oil there, right? I mean, that's 90%, right? That's a lot. Well, normally you're running... So now my retort oil might actually be and this is, you know, percent by volume in the mud might be in the mid fifties because I'm running a heavier mud. And so a bunch of that volume is taken up with solids, you know, specifically Bayride. Mm. But let's say I'm running a 12 pound mud and I have 65% oil, right? Well, I actually retort oil, but my oil water ratio is 70, 30. So do I have less or more oil? Well, 65% retort oil, that's more oil by volume in a whole barrel of mud mm-hmm. than at that heavier mud weight. And so this is where you kind of scratch your head and say, well, from a costing perspective, if base oil is one of my biggest drivers, right now base oil is changing you know, the cost of diesel or whatever base oil you're using, it's probably going up because it probably came from crude or uses energy to be made or you know, however you want to slice it, it's probably getting more expensive. Right. Okay. Well, that means the percent by volume of the base oil relative to the other components is a big driver. And so what you're going to see is you're going to get heavier and heavier and heavier. And you'll have that higher water ratio, right? but your percent oil will go down. And that's if functionally because you don't have much of a choice in as much as you've got to fit that many solids in. Right. And so, you know, one of the things is oil provides dispersion for solids, right? So we, the more oil we have, the better dispersion we have, the more tolerance is of low gravity solids, lower ECDs, blah, 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 right? But you pay for that too, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it might make sense to have a 70, 30 or whatever or let's say you have your 65% oil and you say, well, I could probably get away with 60. Well, maybe you could, but you might see more sensitivity to low gravity solids, especially when the relationship of your Bayrite to your low gravity solids is different. 
than at very heavy muds. But when we get up to like 18 pound mud, I mean, we're just trying to pump the stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I generally hear the number like 53% by volume oil. That's about the point where you might actually just start turning to toothpaste. Right, where it's really okay. not much of a pumpable fluid. And that's when we get into alternate weight materials like blending your bayrite with hematite. So these are the things we really don't want to do, but we might have to do. Mm-hmm. So I think that probably centers around a lot of the question where you look at some of these costs. You say, well, shoot, the mud got a lot heavier, but it doesn't appear to be more expensive. It's like, right, because, you know, granite bayrite by volume is cheaper. So there's that swing of about 12% ish you see there by volume of actual you know material right be less than that but you know we want the oil when we get our pv lower and tolerate those low gravity solids but when we get to very very heavy stuff our options are limited but it means that we have less base oil and that's going to probably lower your overall per barrel cost right that's something that's interesting because it's again as you get heavier and especially in unconventionals and on land, you typically don't get up, like you may get, say some kill mud, that's say 16 pound, but it's rare that you go above that, you know, especially on a circulating system. And yeah, I'm sure there's probably parts of the country, I think in very deep South Texas or, you know, other places throughout the country, there's heavier mud weights, but. No, if you say it in absolutes, no one can ever find an exception. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> that's what the internet is for. <laughs> <laughs> right. So yeah, again, like, it's something to consider. It's some information I was looking at earlier. I had to scratch my head, a couple emails back and forth, and the aha moment came to me. And it was like, oh, that's why it wasn't just, you know, a fat finger error. It was actually, you know, that's how it works out in the numbers when you calculate the price because of, you know, again, the percent oil and then relative to how much actual product is in there. So something to be aware of. I mean, again, that was really my question, Matt. I mean, does that tie into anything else that we should be aware of? Not necessarily on the cost side, but you know, operationally, obviously there's some things there too, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, think of just overall cost of ownership, right? So we're talking about per barrel cost, which it is what it is, Mm -hmm. but think about the cost of running a higher density mud. Solids control is more challenging. Your, you know, pump pressures are higher. So the per barrel cost, at least, you know, looking at it, you might say, okay, well, I use more Bayrite wetting agent, but grand scheme of things, I'm using less oil. Yes. To make one barrel to send out of the mud plant. Right. But when we talk about some of the other challenges of maintaining those systems, your total cost of ownership, as we've discussed in the past, could arguably be higher. I'll let anybody well actually me and like explain the exceptions because I'm sure they're out there. But I would say that it's quite a challenge to maintain an 18, 19 pound mud system, for example, versus a 10 pound, right? Yeah. So I think, yes, per barrel, things changed. It doesn't mean operationally it's necessarily going to be cheaper. You're right. going to go through a lot more Bayrite. You're going to have some of these other issues. And so, well, we were talking about the per barrel cost because I think when people look at pricing or a mud program, they see that. Right. That's one thing. But big picture, it's not the only thing. Right. And actually, and I think that's a great way to sort of wrap up the conversation is if you're looking at it and you say, well, it's going to be cheaper for me to order. I might as well just order out heavier mud. Going back to total cost of ownership and think just beyond, you know, the paper or think just beyond the per barrel price because there's other costs associated with ordering that. 
it takes more trucking, right? Mm-hmm. You, like you said, on the solids control side. So again, I think it just reemphasizes the point of don't just look at something at face value, consider everything that surrounds it and the total cost of ownership of that barrel of mud or however many barrels you send out to location. But thanks for clearing that up for me, Matt. Hopefully it helped answer some questions out there. And you know, any closing last words on that or any last thoughts? No, I mean, I think our goal is to keep this short and simple. So maybe we'll tackle on more, especially about the details of the retort and some other things in future episodes. Yeah. And so I just ask any listener, if you want more on this, send in your request because we'll probably try and tackle it, you know, on our own. Yeah. But you could certainly help us unpack this better than us trying to do it by ourselves. There you go. We'll appreciate all the support as always, everyone, if you could review the show, you know, if you're listening to an episode plug it on LinkedIn, share it with any other folks that are interested in the drilling fluid space, ask questions. Matt and I are always on LinkedIn, reach out to us. And with that said, everybody, we'll see you in the next studio. Hopefully we can take some pictures and videos. Matt, let's close out. Take care. All right. See you, everybody. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. Please tune in next week for another exciting episode of The Flow Line. And remember, may your returns always be full and your trips always smooth. Views expressed in this program belong to participants and not their employees. The program is for informational purposes only and cannot take the place of seeking professional advice. Copyright AES Drilling Fluids.